Well, you have your copy of the scriptures in your Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading here in just a moment verses 10 and 11. And as you can tell, this is the final beatitude. We're taken one by one. And I just, just want just want you to notice and just remember before we just rush into the, the last one that in verse 3 when they begin, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. All of these, when we look at them, I just want to remind you of this. When we look at them, we remember that we are looking at what a true Christian looks like. This is what a true Christian looks like. Can we go as far to say if we're not poor in spirit, we're not a Christian? Can we go that far and say that? Yeah. Jesus is saying. If we're not poor in spirit, we're not a Christian. See, we, we, need, we need to see these Beatitudes as they are. We are looking here. Jesus is telling us this is what a true Christian looks like. They're poor in spirit. They mourn over their sin. They are meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when we think about it that way, and that's what we've been stressing along the way, it's very sobering because, um, you know, you, you, you know, you know this, you should know this. Sadly, churches are filled with good moral people who have determined that I'm not as bad as this person, I'm not as bad as that person, and and I really like the social life of this church. I like my friends, uh, but they have not been born of the Spirit. Uh, these beatitudes are not fruit and reality of their lives, and they're not Christian. They're simply not Christian. And I know, I know that. I know that probably sounds pretty hard, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And. You know, if you're not, for, for example, if you're not poor in spirit, then what, what are you? Are you, you, are you middle class in spirit? <laughs> if you're middle class in spirit, that's not good. Jesus said you've got to be poor in spirit. Got nothing to fall back on. Nothing to fall back on. See? But many, many, many people today, many people in the church today are, they are middle class in spirit. You know, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm putting, I'm putting my trust in Jesus, but also... I've got some spiritual money in the bank because I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good, pretty good person. Really, when you get right down to it, I'm a pretty good person. Was so with um, Catherine and I were with a, a lady not too long ago. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, when you get older, when you get older, the, the the devil knows the targets, and you get older, and if you're not really, really leaning into Jesus and really resting in Jesus, you will say things like, "Well." You know, I know my time's not long, and I sure hope he finds me worthy. You hope, you hope he finds you worthy? <laughs> not a chance. You better hope that you're in Jesus because he's the one who's worthy. He's the one who's worthy, not, not us. The best we have going for us is that we will be counted worthy, considered worthy because we are in Jesus. And so, the, the, you know, the devil loves to the target is our assurance. Amen and our assurance. And so we just need to be flat out assured we're poor in spirit. That we're just poor in spirit. And that Jesus is rich and provides all righteousness that we need. So 
quite sobering. This is also, before we look at these verses, the Beatitudes is an excellent resource to disciple someone in the Christian faith. Let's say someone has, has come and professed faith in Christ and you know, somebody that you're really concerned about and they're, they're, kind of, they're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian. Take them to the Beatitudes. Walk them through one at a time. Here's what it means to be a Christian. Here's what it looks like to be a true Christian. Poor in spirit. <laughs> you know, walk through these. This would be an excellent, excellent way. As, I, as, I've, as I've worked through these over the last few weeks, I'm more convinced of this. If, 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 you know, if, tomorrow, if tomorrow I was called upon, say, hey, could you, could you help me with what the Christian life looks? That would be the first place I go to is right here because this is fresh on my mind. It's, it's a great place to help the disciple, to, to disciple a new believer. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. So let's read. Let's read verses uh, <clears throat> 10, 11, and 12. Okay, let's read those, and then we'll, uh, we'll start unpacking them a little bit. Blessed, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And once again, notice we are struck by the flow of these Beatitudes. Because last week we looked at verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. And, you know, if you're a peacemaker, shouldn't you expect peace in return? (laughs) You, You, like, look, I'm all about peacemaking. I'm all about being a peacemaker. And you'd think, you'd think, okay, person's peacemaker, they'll get peace in return. No, not so much. We would certainly not expect the work of peace or the work of reconciliation to be followed by the experience of persecution. But that is exactly what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who meek. In other words, we would not expect that the very kind of people that the world needs is the very kind of people they don't want because <laughs> that's what we're reading here uh think about it what, what kind of community do you want to live in you want to live in a community where everybody's lying to each other and cheating one another hating one another no you you would want i think you would want to live in a community of people like this right here in the beatitudes that you know be your your choice right right it's a kind, it's a kind of you think about it this is the kind of community that people would want to live in this kind of people you want around you but what we find here is it's the exact kind of people that the world does not want. And why is that? Well, remember, the world is in rebellion against God. That's why the world will hate believers. The world in general, we're told again and again in Scripture, in various ways, the world is in rebellion against God. And because of this, those who are part of God's family will be persecuted. So here's what we ought to see just in a real simple way so far. Going after these beatitudes, in other words, being this kind of person that we see in the beatitudes, or you'd say it this way, being determined to live like Jesus is going to result in two things. One, you will be blessed by God. That's what the beatitudes tell us. You'll be blessed by God. But in this beatitude, we find not only you'll be blessed by God, but you're going to be persecuted by the world. And this is a reality that every 
Christian must grasp. In other words, if you, if you and I don't get a hold of this and get it good, not, not in a slippery way, but get a hold of it and grasp it, it will save us from discouragement and disillusionment. If you'll grasp this, that if you are determined to live like Jesus, you will, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the persecution, what it looks like, and all that kind of stuff, but just be assured that if you want to live like Jesus, if you're determined to do that, then you will experience persecution. Or you could say that this persecution is the result of a clash between two value systems or two worldviews. You see, if you're here tonight, you're a follower of Jesus, you should have a, a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview. You, as you stand out on the platform of life, you look out through a biblical lens, through a, a Christian lens, you see. And there's other people in the world, they have a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. But their worldview is not a biblical worldview. It's not a Christian worldview. And so you have your worldview as a believer and have others who have a worldview as unbelievers, and there's going to be a clash because it's going to result in, in two different lifestyles. And so, quick question. Uh, why doesn't the world like the church? <laughs> why doesn't the world like the church? Because basically Jesus is saying, you're going to be persecuted. You're part of the church, part of the called out ones, you're going to be persecuted. Why doesn't the world like the church? And last week, if you'll turn over now to Matthew chapter 10, okay? Matthew chapter 10. Let's take a look at a few verses tonight as long as we have time. Matthew chapter 10. Last week we ended in uh, our, our, our exposition of verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We, we looked at one last verse. It was very quick, but I want us to look at it again in Matthew 10, beginning at verse 34 through 36. Because on one hand, we're told, blessed are the peacemakers. But then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her son-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Now you say, wait a minute. Oh, Jesus brought people together. Oh, Jesus is one of those guys, he, he likes to bring people together. Well, that's true. Uh, husbands and wives have stopped loving one another. Children who are estranged from one another. Parents, neighbors, all of these uh, relationships that have crumbled. Uh, there's many people that can testify the fact that, that because of Jesus, our relationships have been healed. Because of Jesus, we've been brought back together. But Jesus also comes between people. That's <laughs> what, what he's saying here. And so these are sobering words for a church that wants to market itself to the world. You know, the idea that we can present ourselves, if we'll just get our heads together, we'll present ourselves in, in, in a marketing way to the world, that they'll like us. <laughs> they'll suddenly like us. If we'll, if we'll just do this like this way, and we'll, we'll, we don't really want to talk about this anymore, and maybe put this away altogether, we can kind of present ourselves in a, in, a, in a more likable, loving way. But Jesus' words imply that opposition is an inescapable consequence of being his true disciple. As much as we would like to fit in, we cannot help being out of step 
to some degree in this world. If we are faithful to our calling, the best we can expect is for people to respond to us as they would to Christ. And how did they respond to him? Some, some came to him. Others hated him. And so let's see why in John chapter 3. So let's turn over to John's gospel. Because you wonder, why, 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 why can't we... Why can't we be more in step with the world and the world like the church and like Christians? Well, John 3, I don't think it'd give us any better answer than in John chapter 3, verse 20. John chapter 3, verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Now, here's the way... I would encourage you to think about this in light of the Beatitudes. If we pursue the life that Jesus is describing in the Beatitudes, which is the life of a true Christian, it's a life of living like Jesus, if we pursue this, what will we be doing? We will be bearing the light of Christ, right? Because later we're going to find out that he tells us you're the light of the world. You, you live like this, you're going to bear light. And that's going to be problematic for those who love darkness, right? We live like this. We pursue this. We're going to bear light. We're going to be light bearers. You're the light of the world. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But that's going to be a problem because there's people who hate the light and they love darkness. The world, the world likes good people. The world hates righteous people. Remember that. The world's fine with good people. The world hates righteous people. That's why then in verse 10, Jesus says, for righteousness' sake. You'll be, you'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not, not goodness' sake, not morality's sake, not religion' sake. You will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. So first, we see here, we live in a world where there are people who hate the light and they love darkness. And they like good people. Good people, fine. Righteous people, hate them. And so now we turn over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. And we see this in a, I guess you might say a good example, except for the one who got killed. It wasn't a good example for him. But in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. We should not be like Cain. Why? Well, he goes on to say, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. In verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hate you. Now, listen, listen very carefully. Real loyalty to Jesus, real loyalty to Jesus, which would be represented by Abel. Abel's deeds were righteous. He paid tribute to God in the right way. Real loyalty to Jesus creates friction in the heart of those who pay Jesus only lip service which is exactly what Cain was guilty of. There was Abel whose deeds were righteous, but we're told 
that for Cain, his own deeds were evil. And so, again, there's, there's two people. One, one living loyal, loyal to God. The other not. And it created such a friction in Cain's heart that he murdered his brother. Why? Because of righteousness sake. Not mere goodness sake, but righteous sake. Christians are persecuted for righteousness sake because of their loyalty to Christ. Now, why is that? Now, just you know, think about this at maybe work or family, whatever it may be. Loyalty, loyalty to Christ arouses the wicked's conscience and leaves people with only two alternatives. You know, let's say work and uh, family situation, and you're like, look, I'm, I'm going to be loyal to Jesus. I don't care where the chips fall. I'm just going to be loyal to Jesus. This leaves other people with only two alternatives. Either follow Jesus or silence him. <laughs> either say, you know, they'll say, either I'm on board, whatever Jesus wants. That's what I want. Or... They will silence him. And often the only way to silence Jesus is by silencing his servants. And so by being loyal to Jesus, by saying, look, I'm going, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes here. You know, I'm going to tell the truth here. I'm going to do this. And, and then those others who are out there, you know, you're, that, that, that kind of loyalty is going to arouse their conscience in such a way. Because it's light. It's light coming into their darkness, you see. See, a lifestyle characterized by righteousness means integrity, and this challenges the moral indifference of our world. So you, you see this, right? You see this every day, the, the moral indifference of this, this that used to be wrong is no longer wrong, and, this, you know, and, and the, the changing moral landscape, and then you come in, you come in with this righteousness sake of, I don't know, follow Jesus and, you know, I'm going to do this. And man, this rocks their world, you see. And it rocks it so much that sometimes people lose their job. Or they lose the influence they had. Or lose their position. Or lose this. Or lose that. So righteous living divides people. Uh, you, you, are, you are... See, here's the sweet spot we want to get to. Okay? We, want, we want to find the sweet spot. Jesus is not suggesting that everybody is going to be repelled by a righteous person. In fact, some are going to be drawn. And all you have to do is look at the life of Jesus, the most righteous person who ever lived. Some were drawn to him, right? Others were repelled by him. And so that's the sweet spot that we want to aim for as his followers, to walk like Jesus. We don't want to be turning everybody off. If we are, we might ought to, <laughs> we might ought to talk with a trusted friend and just say, why am I turning everybody off? But if we're turning everybody on... We're turning the world on and, you know, see that. So we're looking for the sweet spot. Some are going to be repelled. Some are going to hate us. Some are going to be drawn. Now, let, let's, 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 let's look at the text again closely, okay? Because now we don't want to look at, look at something else in the text. Because we look at righteousness' sake. We'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. But in the, notice in the text that Jesus doesn't say, Blessed are you if people insult you. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when, not if. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. He says, blessed are you when people do this, not, not if. And so it's already he's, he's sending, Jesus is sending a signal that it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. Really, if you live this way, it, it's going to happen. 
So persecution comes with the territory. That's why that he mentions the prophets. It says in, in verse, uh, uh, verse 12, Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And uh, every believer, in a sense, is a prophet. Every, every believer, in a sense, is a prophet because we are bringing the message of God's salvation to the world. See, God, God's spokespeople, you see. And so Jesus is you know, sending these signals by saying these things like, you know, when, when, you know, in other words, it's going to happen. It's not if, when, and, and it, like the prophets. In other words, look back, take, remember what happened to them when they were bringing the message of God's salvation. But then look at verse 11, and I want to spend a few minutes here because this is probably something that we need to talk about for, for just a little bit longer. And that's verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, who's, who's speaking? You're Jesus. Okay? On my account. Now, here's where we need to ask a question. Why do you think that Jesus puts it this way? He, he could have stopped and said, Blessed are you when all others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you. He could have stopped there, but he added, On my account. Now, brothers and sisters, this is really important. Take your Bible and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter has a lot to say about this subject in his epistles, but in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, now Jesus has said, it's going to happen, and blessed are you when it happens on my account. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Now, what, 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 is, what is Peter addressing here? He's addressing the sad fact that Christians are often persecuted not for their Christianity, but for their lack of it. You understand? Peter, Peter's saying, watch out. Don't, don't be suffering. Don't be, don't be suffering. And here, a lot of the context here is persecution. But don't, be, don't be suffering for doing evil. You know, suffer, suffer for doing good. But don't suffer for doing evils. You see, some of the things we suffer are simply the natural consequences of being unwise. Let me give you an example. In 1 Peter chapter 4, which one chapter over, look, look at verse 15. This is amazing. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Now back up, back up to verse 14. If you're insulted for the name of Christ... Another way of saying, on my account. If you do that, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, as a, as a meddler. That word meddler is fascinating. Um, it means this, a busybody, a tactless person. Um, let me use some other words that will flesh this meddler out. Abrasive, insensitive, rude, Thoughtless, obnoxious, judgmental, lazy, irresponsible. I mean, what Peter's saying is, look, if, you, if you're insulted, if you're persecuted, you know, you're, you're blessed if that happens on the account of being aligned with Jesus. But if you're just an obnoxious person, if you're just a busybody, always trying to poke your nose into people's lives, I, I, I hesitated of whether to tell this story, but because it's, 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 it's about me and it's horrible. Um, 
hadn't been a hadn't been a Christian. Catherine and I hadn't been Christian very long, and where I worked at, there was there was a a man who was married had had developed a a relationship with a woman at there at that workplace who was also married, and I I, I knew I knew because they they didn't hide it very well, and oh man, I went on a righteous campaign. You know, I you know I, really at the time I thought I was supposed to. I, if you could ask me, I'd have said, I'm supposed to do this. I, I got to root out these adulterers. And I just went on this campaign of like, you know, just everything I could to expose it, you know. I was being, I was, I was, I, I was being evil. I was being evil. I was being obnoxious. I was being thoughtless. I was being judgmental. I was being insensitive. I was absolutely wrong about that. And it, and it, it it, 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 it was some time that went by before I even began to see that it was horrible. And, you know, and, and some of the things that they said to me, I deserved it and more. You know, like, who do you think you are? You know, who do you think you are poking in? A, and, 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 and as I look back on it, deserved, I deserved worse than that. I deserved the insults and the persecution. I, I deserved it. it because it, it, it came not on the account of Christ. It came on the account of my self-righteousness. Like, like you it, and it had just been months earlier. I was in the quagmire of sin. <laughs> it had just been months earlier that I had no hope without Christ. And here I was, here I was, you know. See, there are some cases where we are not merely the target of rejection. Um, that, you know, that, that's Peter's point. If you're going to suffer, it's better to suffer for doing good. You know, that's when we're blessed, when we suffer for doing good on the account of Jesus, not for doing evil, not for being stupid, not for being a meddler, poking in. That's what I was. I was a poking in, you see. I, mean, I was going to ask if anybody else done something stupid like that. Probably nobody's going to admit to you know, Right? Diane? Oh, my. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you're right, Diane. And, like, that, that's, that's when we're really vulnerable, when we're new babies. <laughs> like, you know, we're... Uh, I remember years ago being at a, uh, I think it was Blue Boar. It was years ago. I hadn't been a Christian very long. And I remember I remember the place was packed. And this man gets up. He gets up in the chair. And he stands up and he holds his glass up. And he starts taking silver or tapping on the glass. Quiet, everybody. We're going to pray over here. And, and the, the first part of me, the, the bad van, thought, wow, what a man. You know, what a man of God. And, I, and as I think about it, what an idiot, you know. What, you know, how obnoxious. You know, but, but see, see, I look at that and I, I think, you know, what's going on there really <laughs> that he would do that? Because I'm not sure. I'm not too sure how many people sat there and thought, you know, hey, what a cool guy except me. You know? So it, when, when we're, we're young believers, you know, we, gotta, I guess we need to be careful. <laughs> but not just young believers. I guess, I guess we could be vulnerable to this at any time. But that's what, that's what Jesus said. Make sure, make sure that whatever persecution we're going to face, whatever insults come our way, make sure that it's, it's on the account of Jesus. It's, it's not persecution on our account. Let's make sure it's not persecution on our account, but on Christ's account. Turn over with me quickly, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 18. Can't talk about this without looking at this verse. Um, 
Jesus said, if the world hates you, speaking to his disciples, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. In other words, if, if Jesus is saying, basically, if you walk with me, some, some of the hate, some of the hate's going to spill out on you. They hate me. If you're going to align yourself with me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall on you. And, you know, something to think about, okay, just something to think about. I heard somebody speaking about this a few months ago, about Jesus being uniquely hated. The real Jesus, I'm, I'm not talking about the, um, you know, the, uh, the crafted Jesus. You know, the Jesus who, Jesus didn't say anything about, and Jesus didn't say anything about, you know, not that kind of Jesus. You know, the real Jesus. The Jesus that we, we, we hear what he said in the scriptures. That Jesus is uniquely hated. Um, Anne, Anne Rice is a novelist, and um, I remember hearing her talk about this. It had been some years ago. She was getting ready to do a novel about Jesus. And so she was having to do a great deal of research. And so she was going to uh, scholars and, 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 and said she began to notice this, that other historical figures, they, they did their best. They did their best to make, this went overboard to make them look good and not say anything derogatory and not undermine. Said, But when she went to these scholars about Jesus, every one of them, hands down, were all undermining. It was like, well, yeah, it says that. He, he said this, but he probably... It was, it was all to, to, to undermine and demean. And basically what she was pointing out is Jesus is uniquely hated. You know, other religious figures, you know, in history, you know, hated perhaps, maybe, but Jesus is uniquely hated. And that's what we see. Why? And why? Why? Think about it. He claims to be the judge of the earth. <laughs> he claims to be... God in the flesh. I mean, he, he claims to be the Lord. And if these, if these things are true, and they are, you lose control. See, you, really, if he's Lord, you're not. Mean, I'm not, you see? And so when confronted with these claims, you either, you either bow and surrender or you hate, you see, who do you think you are. Now, quickly, what kind of persecution is Jesus speaking of here? Hand and tongue. Um, and here's the thing. I think probably every one of us are more accustomed to and more used to in our culture tongue persecution, insults, that sort of thing. I think it's other parts of the world. Could we agree on that? Other parts of the world where many of our brothers and sisters see hand persecution, you know, just, just almost, almost monthly at least, maybe weekly. If, we, if you look hard enough, you find that and just recently, I think, um, lose lose track of my thought where, where, what, what country it was, but uh, some, some believers at a church, at, at church, some suicide bombers just a couple of weeks ago uh, went in and uh, killed a number of believers. So there's hand persecution, you know, persecution to the death, you see. And, and, and that's not so much what we, we, we have, you know, what persecution we may face is more throwing insults in your face, you know. Um, so it, it, can, it, can be, it can be physical, but probably what we uh, experience is going to be more, at least now, more in the tongue area. Now, here, here's a good question because I don't want you to leave misunderstanding. Should we condemn ourselves if at the moment we're not undergoing persecution? Because, look, it's, it's quite possible that you're here tonight and you're hearing this going, you know, down deep you're going, uh, I'm not really sorry, but not really experiencing any persecution. 
Nobody's been insulting me lately for Christ's account. <laughs> and, and, and so you might be going, hmm, look, Jesus is not suggesting here that his followers are persecuted all of the time, that this is going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no suggestion of that, so don't, we shouldn't try to read that into it. Uh, so don't condemn yourself if at the moment, if at the moment you're not being persecuted. But be sure that if we live this way and if we seriously are, as Paul put it, if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. So, but not, not every moment of the day, not every day of the week, but eventually, yes. Uh, but Jesus finally says rejoice, and, and that's where we'll close. Rejoice. Why? <laughs> this is really, really uh, strange. I know, you know, let's just admit it. Rejoice because you're persecuted. Rejoice because people are insulting you. Rejoice because suicide bombers are coming in the church and blowing you up. Rejoice. Um, well, why? Rejoice because, you, one, because you're in classy company. You're in classy company. Uh, that's why he mentions, again, the prophets. Now, rejoice. Hey, look, look at the company you're keeping. You're, you, 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 you're, you get insulted. You get insulted for Christ's sake. Just remember, instead of repaying evil with evil, just go, I'm in classy company. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the company of God's prophets. Persecution for Christ's sake, remember this. Persecution for Christ's sake is a token of genuineness. It's a certificate of Christian authenticity. You know, you, you, get, you get persecuted for Christ's sake, and you go, I'm the real deal. <laughs> I'm the real deal. See? And it says our reward, for your reward is great in heaven. Literally, literally the language is this. Your reward is immeasurably great. It can't be measured. It's not like I can put it on a scale and go, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10. It's, no, it's immeasurable. The reward that we have for those who are persecuted for Christ's sake is immeasurable. And that is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, these present sufferings are not worthy. They can't even be compared to the eternal weight of glory that will be ours. And then finally, let's just remember this. Um, we, we were saved by his persecution. The insults that Christ took, the opposition that he faced, um, Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews, consider him, you know, consider in other words, think about, dwell on, dwell on the persecution that, that he experienced. So you know, are we greater than our master? No. See? But his persecution, because he was willing to come and be persecuted and suffer ultimate death, we were saved by that. We were saved by that. So let's remember we're in classy company when we get persecuted. Uh, it's, it's a token of authenticity. You can say, yep, I'm his, I'm his. And he is mine, glory, glory, Christ is mine. And then you can say, wow, my reward is immeasurably great. And this is only possible because he was persecuted for me. Let's pray. Dear Father, Jesus, in such powerful, otherworldly ways and words, describes to us the blessed life, the, 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 the way of a true Christian. And it includes blessing from you, but persecution from the world. And so, Lord, may we do whatever we must do 
and say, I want the blessing of God, the blessing of God, whatever it takes. May that, may that be our desire, whatever it takes, to be commended and blessed by God. And great, immeasurably great is our reward. Father, we want to pray right now before we go for our brothers and sisters in parts of the world that are suffering intense persecution by the hand. And, and we, th- we thank you for organizations like the Voice of the Martyrs and that we can come alongside and be a partner, maybe in a, maybe in a small way, relatively speaking, but being a partner to help the families of those who are suffering persecution. So, Lord, may, may, uh, may our brothers and sisters stand strong. May they be courageous, and may they live for the one who was persecuted for them. May we do the same. In his name we pray. Amen. Good night, everybody.